Mark's Levi to join me today, do something a little bit different. We're in our foundation series, uh, which is part of our reimagine. So it's like reimagine our foundations. And the whole thought around foundations, of course, is with the building, um, the stronger the foundation, the deeper the foundation, the, the more substantial the building that's built is, and, and probably it, it speaks a lot to the longevity of a building. If it's got good foundations, you figure it's going to be around for a while. Uh, and if it doesn't, well, often it's not so much, doesn't, doesn't measure up in rough weather or whatever happens in life. And uh, I think our lives are a lot like that. So the foundation series has been about us just reimagining and maybe reconnecting and realising the importance of some of the basic things. I've always believed and found, uh, as I've observed, that the, the power of our Christian faith and what God does in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is most often in the basics it's not necessarily in the obscure peripheral things. It's right at the centre. It's right where the cross is. That's where the work happens. And so that's what foundations always comes back to. And uh, uh, as we begin, I just want to set it up by saying, you know, you know that I am um, fancy myself as a little bit of a cook. And, uh, and truly, you probably haven't had an invite for dinner because I don't want to shatter the myth. But uh, one thing I know is that uh, I think my best bit of kit, when I think about my best bit of kit, has got to be my favourite non-stick saucepan. Aren't they amazing? They're unbelievable. Like, cook up a feed, and I've got one that's, you know, when they're newer, they work better, obviously, but I've got one that literally I can burn stuff in and give it one swish with the cloth and it's clean. And that is amazing. And wouldn't it be brilliant if our hearts were like that? If our hearts were non-stick. Because have, have you noticed that as you go through life, it's not hard to pick stuff up. Stuff can stick to you if you're not careful. Stuff, you know, that, that pushes in on you, hurts you, disappoints you, frustrates you, makes you angry, whatever. And that stuff, if you don't deal with it properly, can actually be just like stuff that's hard to scrub off a saucepan. And, uh, and that is painful. And so I want to really talk to us about being non-stick today. Bit of a non-stick heart. It's actually a foundational concept of our Christianity. So uh, please welcome Pastor Levi. And, uh, Thank you. We just Here thought... to speak about hashtag Teflon Christians. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we just sort of figured that this message would go best. This message would go best if my iPad didn't shut down. Taking a photo of the front row okay, there. Okay, so Levi, you say hello and, and <laughs> Hello, stall. I'm just going to cover for... Uh, That's it, I'm back. Pastor Chris, as he's got his notes right. There we go. Okay. Out of the camera app. Yep, okay. And, and look, I just sort of thought this, uh, this would actually go best, maybe. I was all lined up to preach, and then this morning when I got here, it was like, I think this would just be better being a conversation. So I want to begin in John chapter 8. Reimagine foundations, and the title of the message is Freedom. Reimagine freedom. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold fast to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, 
Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. There's some beautiful thoughts in that scripture. Incredible, isn't it? It's great. I think there's a couple of things, maybe just some key phrases we should go back and and Mm -hmm. look over. So the first one being, hold to my teaching. How would you kind of interpret that? Yeah, hold to... Well, the, the word literally means, the original language word literally means continue to continue in, uh, without a doubt what Jesus was saying was do it. It's that simple. Hold to my teaching. He was saying do it. And, and the connection to that in the next phrase is so powerful. Yet then you will know the truth. Then you'll know the truth. So how do you know the truth? When it comes to scripture, revelation, the work of the spirit in our lives, what God is doing, we don't learn truth by learning it. That's head knowledge, and it doesn't necessarily transform. Mm. What Jesus was talking about is if you continue to do what I'm teaching you to do, then you'll know the truth. The truth isn't so much in the information you're getting. The truth is when you act on what you hear, then you'll actually know what truth is. Truth then, that's how truth goes from being information to revelation. That's powerful. I think we could all relate to a time where, and I'm even thinking of times in my life where it's like, I know this, I've, I've heard that scripture, someone's explained that to me, and then you actually do it, and it's like, oh, I understand why. Come now. on, is that you? Yeah. It's like you get this revelation of, hang on, this isn't just a good thought, this is actually life transformation. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, um, and then the, it goes on, the truth will set you free. Yeah, well, uh, the whole thought is lived truth is what sets you free. Just knowing truth doesn't. There's plenty of people that probably know a lot more of the Bible than some of us, but are actually not particularly free. Have you ever met someone that you think you're in awe of their Bible knowledge or whatever, but actually you don't want their life? <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm not trying to be nasty, but that's just a track. So, so it's lived truth that sets it free, not just actually being able to quote Scripture. Or know what the Bible says about things. Yeah. And then, so Jesus talking about freedom then brings in the concept um, of, of slavery, I suppose. Well, his, o- his audience didn't understand. It's like, hang on a sec. We're, uh, you know, we're already God's people. We're children of, Israel, uh, ch- children of Abraham. Uh, we're not slaves in that sense. They, they felt, you know, that they were already free. Um, and and the, the, the thing that Jesus points to here, it's the concept of a bond slave where... Uh, a slave could be set free and if they'd had a great experience, because we've got to understand slavery when we talk about that in these times, was often very different to the way that we might see it through modern lenses. For some people, slavery meant survival. It was the only way they could survive or it was the only way they could pay off debt that otherwise, you know, they, they could lose their life over. But they had an option. And, uh, and then occasionally people who were brought into slavery, if they really pleased the master, the master could release them, set them free. Or in Israel, when it came to ju- year of Jubilee, etc., and they were set free. If the slave knew that, man, my time in the master's house is, be- is a better life than I ever could have had out there in the big, wide, wonderful world, then they could go to the master and say, I want to be a bond slave. And they would put an earring in their ear. And, um, and they would actually become 
like an honorary member of the family. And it was like this mutual agreement thing. And that's sort of what Jesus is talking about, where it's like, you know, uh, no slave has a permanent house or, or permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And Jesus was trying to move them from a place of thinking about God like law and more to a, this is about walking in truth, being totally set free, but wanting to hang around. <laughs> Once you're set free, it's not about, now I'm going to go out into the wide, wonderful world and mess myself up again. But it, these are the Christian implications. But this is now, wow, I've discovered that in Christ. I've got a freedom I never had. Why would I leave? Have you ever wondered why God isn't just... Uh, who's ever wished God just hit them with the magic stick and <laughs> fixed everything? Or, or ever wondered why God puts up with you still? Uh, but he does. And why do you hang around? Because he's been so good to you. It's like, man, it's, it's just better here with him than it it's ever was by myself. Yeah. It's and kind of the thought. And I love... I love I guess where we're getting at with this talk about freedom, because I know for me growing up, it was, it was almost like a, a wrestle with what freedom meant, because in one sense, it's like, I know that I'm free, but in another sense, there's still things that I feel like I'm not free from. So I guess the concept is not freedom, is just this once, once off, one and done kind of thing. Yeah. It's about don't just get free, stay free. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, you've been released, you know where you got released, stick with that. Hold fast my teaching and God will continue to continuously set you free. Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And of course Paul is there, the first application, Paul's talking to uh, again people who, uh, actually mainly gent uh, Gentile church, but people who were being pressured to sort of become Jewish and observe Jewish religious custom and were being told that that's the only way you can really be like a child of God. And Paul is like, you came to Jesus and had an experience aside from all the trappings. Why would you go back there? So that's its first application. But the broader application is for each one of us. Like if you've been set free, why would you go back and become a slave to sin? Because whoever sins is enslaved by sin. Remember, that's what Jesus said. So it's like, why would you go back to an old life or an old way of thinking? Um, stay free. And I think that this uh, can be a lot more subtle. You, know, like you might say, well, hang on, I'm in church. I think the shift back to slavery can be a lot more subtle sometimes than what we think. Yeah, so what do you think some of the areas that that shift or slip can happen? A big one is forgiveness. A big one is forgiveness. Uh, uh, John Bevere, I think, great, great American Bible teacher, put it better than anyone else when he said that offence, to be offended and to stay offended, is the bait of Satan. It's like what the devil uses to recapture our hearts in that sense. Uh, so you, when you think about it, like forgiveness is something you have to do from a very young age. You, you actually have to get over stuff and move on. And sometimes I look at kids, I look at one of my children in particular, if anyone had a Teflon heart, it, it's, it's one, of my, one of my children, because I know so many times that I as a parent have been very difficult towards them, and yet they let it slide. What happens though when we stop letting stuff slide as we get older? 
So it's almost like as kids, come on parents, who's ever felt like, oh gee, I could have handled that better? And then you're humbled by your child because they just want to get on with it and they forgive you. They love you, you're their parent, they love you, they just want to get on with it. And that's really, really humbling. Um, But I don't think we can, we, we can't assume that we keep doing that. As we get older, sometimes, sometimes the stakes get higher. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes as a child, the stakes can't get any higher if your trust is abused. But as we get older, we can be tempted to sort of let go of those foundational things, things we knew as kids to do. We struggle to do as older people. And, and as we talk about forgiveness, I do want to do a bit of a disclaimer. We do need to understand what forgiveness isn't. And then I'll talk about what forgiveness is, if that's okay. Yeah, and I think that's important. Uh, I remember maybe the first time I heard someone speaking about what forgiveness actually is, because I think, um, like all words, every word for every person has a different kind of imagination that comes with it. And and freedom, I think, is... uh, Sorry, forgiveness is one of those words where Mm. it's like, is it just saying it's all okay, that wasn't bad? What what actually is forgiveness? So what are the disclaimers when we talk about forgiveness? Well, forgiveness isn't trust. I think that's one of the biggest things for people. It's like, you want me to trust them again? No. No, I don't want you to trust them again necessarily. Like, maybe you should. Maybe that's appropriate. But maybe it's not. Maybe you should never trust them again. But it doesn't negate your need to forgive them. And so forgiveness isn't, you know, it's not saying what happened was right, that it was okay. It's not like acknowledging that nothing happened. It's none of that. What forgiveness actually is, is releasing someone from your judgment. It's basically going, you know what? This will all be judged. Scripture teaches that. Every deed will be brought to account. So it's all going to be judged. The difference is I'm not the the judge, jury and executioner. I'm not the one who's going to carry this sentence out. Because I think that's, that's where unforgiveness can get lodged in our heart because we feel like I need to be the one who settles the score or whatever. And that captures our heart and can begin to actually enslave us in such a subtle way. Mm. It's, it's when you keep, you know cooking the spaghetti when the water's all gone and it all burns to the bottom of the pot and you've got to get it out. Okay, there's an analogy. There's an analogy for uh, you. Shout out Rob Goulds for ruining his best pot when I was living with him. But I love that thought of a Teflon heart being, it, you know, some of these things are a process, but if we can get good at actually just getting it straight out um, when something happens, if we can be fast to forgive, yeah. it's actually so, it's not, shouldn't be such a difficult thing. It should be a lot simpler to yeah. just flick it out of the pan. Um, and if it's back in there, well, I'm going to flick it out again. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this big ceremony or a big no, kind of... No, no. It's, again, it's about just keeping our hearts free and recognising what can get lodged there. And all of us will have suffered this. Like, any of us who are sitting here thinking, oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Chris. It's like, that's just not human experience. All of us need to forgive people and have had plenty of opportunities and causes for it. And all of us have given others plenty of cause to need to forgive us. And if you think that you haven't, I suggest it's not because you've lived without hurting anyone. It's because your conscience hasn't picked up on it. It's that simple. Um, So if we look at forgiveness, here's some thoughts about forgiveness. Number one, it's, it's the very nature of God. If the cross of Jesus Christ says anything to us, It says that intrinsically in the character and nature of God is the desire to forgive. He is the ultimate 
forgiver when you think about it. Even to the point where he would take someone else's issues on himself for the sake of restoring the relationship. Basically, God said in Christ, I would rather, I would rather be perceived or I would rather take the rap, the punishment, the pain for this than for the relationship to stay separate. And of course, that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. He took our pain, our sin. And even I guess you see it in Jesus on the cross where it's like, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Even though it's like they were Roman soldiers, that's literally what they did. Um, they knew exactly what they were doing. Well, that's but it. Maybe they didn't understand the, the implications of it. Look, I think that's a, that's a huge part of this. Um, when Jesus said they don't know what they're doing, we know they knew what they were doing. They were very good at it. The Roman soldiers in the first century, they'd been crucifying people for 400 years. They weren't the originators of the practice, but they had adopted it. And so they knew very well what they were doing. It seems strange that Jesus says they don't know what they're doing. I think what Jesus was getting at was they have no idea of the repercussions of their actions. They're doing something that they just think they have no idea, either in a positive sense or a negative sense, because obviously in God's scheme of things, what Jesus did was open up a way for all humanity to be reconciled to God. So that was one part of it that they didn't realise, you know, and the other part of it was the revelation of an innocent person. This was so wrong. This was so unjust. They were creating the biggest cosmic injustice that the earth has ever seen when they crucified Christ, and they were totally oblivious to it. And is that not part of maybe even the, the trap of sin in a sense that you can do something without actually understanding the ramifications of, of exactly. what you're actually doing? You know, you think, oh, this is just me. It's my life. It just affects me. And it's amazing how many times actually it's causing pain to someone else or it's yeah. causing pain to yourself without even realizing in that sense, this is what I'm doing. It's like that whole, I yeah. don't actually know what I'm doing. Well, we have to ask ourselves the question, like, have we ever done anything you know, you do something, you say something, and it's only later that you go, oh, wish I hadn't said or done that. And you start to realise the repercussions. Well, most of the time, we don't even re- realise the repercussions. Most of the time, we don't stop to think. We can say and do something that can bring harm or hurt to another, even unintentionally, and we don't even stop to think about it. But, but we've all probably had cause to stop and think and go, wow, I did not know what I was doing. We've all done this. So we're all in that boat. And I guess, I guess that's where the perspective comes in that often when other people are hurting us, they're potentially in the same boat as that. They don't actually understand that a lot of the time it's not foul play. It's not no. that they're intentionally trying to cause damage or that they realise the damage that they're causing. Yeah. Often um, that's not the case. It, it can be that. And, and certainly for all of us, we can all give an extreme example where that's not the case, where it was very intentional, very... But most of the stuff of life probably falls into the category of even out of ignorance, out of stupidity, mm. out of uh, anger, out of insecurity, out of all these human foibles that are part of our broken humanity. This stuff flows and, uh, and it, it's interesting, have you noticed, we, we don't even have to practice being broken. We just are, just tend to be. And, and we can have a brilliant season where we think we're amazing. Well, that's part of human brokenness right there. <laughs> we have an amazing season where we think we're getting everything right. I guarantee you, you're wrong. 
and probably unwittingly people are affected by that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in a silly sense, it's like the, the person who's giving you your order at the cafe, they're not just trying to ruin your day when they give you the wrong order. Yeah, There's yeah. no malice in that. No, but no. at the same time, we can act like, I cannot believe that they didn't give me my garlic aioli. They gave me regular aioli. I yeah. cannot believe yeah. what this person's done. Yeah. And, and again, this is the light end of it, but the principle applies. Mm. The principle applies. And we'll get to that a little bit further on in the message, but... I think the principle applies in that. If you can't just flick that out of the Teflon pan, how much more trouble are you going to have flicking something that's actually more hurtful that's true. out of the pan? And I think that's the issue. Have you noticed with the Teflon pan, if you don't clean it right, it actually can pick up... That's generally the end of your Teflon pan, when you actually don't clean it right, and then it starts baking on, baking on, and all of a sudden you're looking for a new Teflon pan. So, uh, or you clean it with the metal spatulas. Yeah, or you do that. I wish, I wish someone taught me that. Another thought, with this is, uh, <laughs> another thought with this is that forgiveness is the central message of Christianity. Mm. It is the message. And, you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Here's the thought. How ironic would it be if we didn't practice our central message? Mm -hmm. If we can't practice our central message, we certainly can't preach it. Mm -hmm. We certainly can't be effective in the marketplace in that sense. And, uh, and what I've found is, you know, what, whatever is affecting you, if you're not dealing with it, you might think you're hiding it, but it bleeds through. It bleeds through. Your pain bleeds through. So when someone's had a bad experience, say, for example, in a shop or with a business or whatever, if, uh, if they haven't sort of marched on from that and decided to let bygones be got bygones, the moment you mention it, it springs up. Um, you know, we've all just been through this whole COVID thing and there's been some real difficulties with that around mandates and stuff. But at some point, if you don't reconcile that, it is going to be bleeding out of you in 10 years' time. Do you really want that to be your testimony? That's the thing. And, and again, I'm not saying whether something's right or wrong. And yes, there's been injustices done. It, it's not saying nothing happened. That's not forgiveness. It's saying, I'm going to release you from a judgment kind of thing. And if you want to judge the government, do it at the next election. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the dinner table, if you, can't, if you can't get over it and it keeps bleeding into that, it's not going to help your life or your relationships. Yeah. So forgiveness is one of those things that we want to keep our hearts clean from. That's it. Have you got, just being aware of time, time yeah. have you got a couple of others that we could maybe... Of course. Who can think of other foibles? Who, does anyone want to shout one out? No, we might that's just, a joke. We'll just get everyone that's to come up one at a time and share a foible, <laughs> if that's okay. We'll have a little confession line. I no, like that word, foible. I'll, I'll take us there. Greed. Greed, which we don't sort of talk about, uh, a lot about. Greed really is a, 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 a sort of the elephant in the corner of the room in our society because we are so materialistically driven in everything we do that we actually don't want to talk about that. And uh, we could spend a lot of time defining that. Oh, we're not going to do that. We haven't got the time. But Jesus simply said, you can't serve two masters. 
You're either going to love one and hate the other or vice versa. You can't. And it's amazing. This is one of these things that can creep back into our heart where at some point we were a generous person and Jesus opened our heart and that caused our resources to flow. But then and through the process of life and some disappointments, some frustrations, even frustrations with God, if we're not careful, our heart can begin to close up. And I guarantee you, you are never going to have money as your number one priority and Jesus as your number one priority at the same time. He's never going to share the throne of your heart with anything else. He has to be number one. So greed is one that can sort of, in a materialist, we're foolish not to realise this, aren't we? In an ultra-materialistic society, we're all acting like it doesn't affect us. (laughs) It's, it's true that it, like, it sneaks in, though. Again, it's one of those things. It's like, be free and stay free. It's like, I'm free from greed. And then like, a couple of years down the track, it's like, hang on, that, what did I just do? And it's like, maybe because there's some residue of mm. it slipped back in of actually thinking of myself before I'm thinking yeah. of others. So. I, I, look, I remember as a younger Christian, back when we used paper money, <laughs> I can remember how God really dealt with me with this whole being clingy with my money. Because if, if a need arose or an offering was there or whatever it was, and I opened my wallet and there was a 20 and a 50 in it, it was like my heart had a big argument. It was like the 20 and the 50, 20 and the 50. I got to a point where I was like, heart, if you're going to argue with me, I'm going 50 every time. I'm just settling the issue. I'm a generous person. And it's amazing that after, you know, after a, a, you know, a season of that, it was never the issue. I could actually clearly think, what do I want to give? And it wasn't a race. It wasn't this competition in my heart between what I had and what I wanted to give. It really just, I was able to hear a bit clearer from heaven on that this is the level I want to meet that need. Yeah. So we want to keep our heart free from, uh, I guess, unforgiveness in that sense. Yeah. Free from greed. Free from greed. Have yeah. you got a, a last one? For of course, it? we can't go past lust. Again, in this society, are we living in a sex-saturated society or not? Society that's determined to grow our children up prematurely. A society that is so all-pervasive in this, you know, from every extreme level of the scale, but literally you can't watch just an ad on daytime television or the ad break without being exposed to this. We're all very quiet, but I know you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, the lift in energy in the room when you said lust was amazing. People, a few people stood up and were like, excited about this topic. And, and obviously, lust is, is a much broader thing than a sexual thing, but I think that's what's so pervasive in our society is that particular area. Um, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5... Uh, gives that instruction like, you know, don't even look at someone to lust for them or you've committed adultery. And often that's been seen as like, gee, Jesus is upping the ante. You know, once upon a time, you just couldn't do the, the act. Now Jesus is saying, you can't even think about the act. I don't think Jesus was upping the ante at all. What I think he was doing was revealing the root. It was like, if you let this stuff in your heart, it won't be long before you're practicing it. Yeah. So again, keep your heart free. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. So stand in that liberty mm. and don't let your heart be captured again. And I, look, I know this could be perceived as a difficult message, but is, is this where we live or not? Yeah. Am I the only sinner in here? Am I the only one who gets tempted? 
Okay. I, obviously, maybe Apparently I am. you are. So, <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week for Easter. <laughs> no, and I would just add to that, I think for a long time, I, I often struggled with feeling a, a bit condemned when we talked about this stuff. Mm. Um, because it was like, if I could recognise it in my own life, then I must be bad or whatever. But I guess just if we use the, the, the cooking analogy, keep it going. You know, when you cook, the pan gets dirty. Mm-hmm. And I think when we live in this kind of world, there's, there's always going to be stuff on our heart. And I guess what the, the encouragement would be is if you find this stuff in, in your pan, on your heart, it's not because you're evil. It's not because you're bad. It's just time to flick it out of the pan. Mm. It's, uh, you know, if you recognize, hang on, I've been thinking a bit, I've been kind of greedy recently. Uh, it's, it's time to repent, which is a whole different me- message, but mm. I'm just going to change my thinking about that. I'm going to keep my heart clean. I don't want that kind of thing to control me. And, yeah. and rather than it being this guilt-driven, I'm so bad, I'm so evil, I'm actually driven by, man, I just want to be more like Jesus. That's it. Yeah. I, I want to yeah. live with my heart free. I don't want that stuff to be eating away on the inside. And I think if you can reframe it a bit like that, rather than just thinking you're so bad because you've got yeah, these yeah, things, yeah, yeah. it's actually like, you know, you're human because you've got these things, but it's actually not hard to deal with it. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I think what I probably neglected to do right at the beginning of this is when we talk about sin, straight away, you know, our world hates that word, ridicules it. Christians are, you know, horrified <laughs> to confront it. Um, Understanding and reframing, going back to the original meaning of the word, harmatia, to fall short of a mark. And understanding what that mark is. It's actually we're created to live, to reflect, to be in the image of God. So when we are, and that's what being fully human is, to be fully human is to reflect the divine nature. So when we sin... And, and this is the problem. We've often categorised this. It's like a moral list of do's and don'ts that defines who's good and who's bad. That's not how the Bible does it. It's actually to be less than fully human, to less than reflect the Creator. You have fallen short of a mark. That's all it is. And we all do it. Can we just agree? Does anyone in here just look and act like God 24-7? I want to hang out. I want a coffee. You know, I want to learn the secret. And so rather than, because I think the things that we don't talk about are the things we can't disciple. Jesus had no problem going there. And his whole thought was, hey, living truth, living the truth can set you free and you'll be nothing slave. And that's where I want you to live. That was Paul's reflection. Come on, you've been set free. Stay free. Stand in a place of freedom. And so we've got to then ask, what do we do if we find ourselves trapped? If we're sitting here today, please, for a start, don't feel bad on any level. But if you're sitting here today and you recognise, you know what? My pot could do with a good scrub. (laughs) Number one, you might be thinking, man, you know, I've never had a Teflon heart. Well, Jesus can give you one. Uh, He's also very, very good at restoring, cleaning, resurfacing us. And it's really just a matter of opening your heart. So how do we, how do, we do that? How do we keep our heart free? Just, just take the time to stop and think about what's really rattling around on the inside of me. Because so often we're doing things and we're not even thinking of the repercussions. But when we stop and we think, what's actually going on in here? What am I meditating on? What am I thinking about? Where's my self-talk going? What's my vision? What do I really want? 
because you will bring it to pass. Whatever you're visualising in here, it will come out. So what is that? And am I happy with that? And if I'm not, then I, I actually need to go to God. Say, Lord, I'm coming back to you because I want your freedom. That's where I want to live. And I love 1 John 1, 1.9. simply says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. He will scrub your pot. And then we can move into life with a full heart in full freedom. And that is a basic of Christianity. You know, basic of Christianity is not to be walking under a cloud of shame and guilt all the time while God sorts you out. It's just to realise that God's happy to scrub your pot every day if he has to so that you can keep your heart free and he can enjoy the life that he's given you. Which I guess practically, that's I guess what we really believe as a church. Obviously, you can do this at any time. Uh, but I think it's really important to make it a practice that each day, just for a moment, I'm going to have a little look in my heart in that sense. And is there anything I need to clean off? Is maybe there's a bit of residue from something I saw or something someone said to me or something that, you know, I, I overheard or, or whatever. Is there any residue that I need to clean out? And I think just having a daily practice of that, and it's not, I'm going to spend, you know, the next two hours, whatever, in this moment, is there anything that I need to flick out of the pan? Yeah. Um, so that tomorrow I can start again with a clean heart. Mm. Good stuff. I think we finish it there. Thanks, Levi. Can we thank, thank Levi as he, as he goes? And there's really only one question, I guess, for us today that I wanted to leave us with. And that is, if, if, you, if you had a Teflon rating of 1 to 10, what would you rate your heart at? How, how, does the, how easy does this stuff slide off you and how, how easy does it stick to you is probably the question. And, uh, and I want to encourage us, honestly, uh, just continuously going to God, keeping short accounts. As Levi said, it doesn't have to be one big session every now and then. Every day, coming to God, saying, Lord, what's rattling around inside there? That's, that's not, not what you want. doesn't reflect you. Then I'm going to deal with that. I'm going to lay it down. Jesus, give me a fresh start, a new day. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for cleansing me. And I'm off into my day to live again. That is Christianity 101. Reimagine Foundations. I hope that's been helpful. Reimagine Foundations. Thank you, Levi. I thought that was good to have that around a conversation. Makes it a bit realer than just preaching it at people. Because it's like, no, this is a conversation that actually we all need to have with someone in our life. That how we're dealing about the inner stuff rather than all just looking like swans on a lake or ducks on a lake, I think it's been said. They just glide across the top of the water, but underneath they're going frantically. And sometimes that's what our lives are like and it's not always healthy. But when we've got people we can bring into our world, that can really help us. Cool. Okay, what could we stand together? And I want to pray for us. And if you're online, join us in some way. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for grace. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for your plan to bring us to a place of freedom where we can not only enjoy our life, but we can reflect you in amazing ways to those around us. We can truly show your heart we can truly reflect your love in Jesus' name. If you're with us here today, and as I said, Jesus can give you a brand new Teflon pot.
<laughs> that might be your starting point today. And uh, whether you're here in the room or online, maybe you've never come to a point of surrendering your heart to God. We've been talking about the heart. And so this whole new heart in you, it all begins with a moment of surrender where you recognise, look, the way I've been maybe trying to do my life, I'm not interested in doing it that way anymore. If there's a new path, that's the one I want to take. I suggest to you that that is Jesus Christ, my friend. And you can open your heart to him right where you stand, right where you're seated, very, very simply. Just open your heart up and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Forgive me. Give me a new heart and help me to follow you every day. Amen.